0: Beginning in late 2010 and continuing through 2011, pop music began to fuse with EDM. Rihanna and Calvin Harris's 2011 single We Found Love became an absolutely huge hit, spending nearly 20 weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. The song introduced some classic EDM elements, or dumb them down if you're talking to EDM purists, to mainstream audiences. Among those elements were the manipulation of vocals and the tweaking of more traditional song structures, as well as one that's specifically known as the drop, the moment in a dance track where the music coils around itself, building and building until it bursts, then unspools in a glorious, tempestuous release as the beat kicks in. In We Found Love, the drop comes about a minute and seven seconds into the song. Success begets success, and EDM producers, DJs, and artists began to notice that there was a mainstream audience for a pop version of EDM. If a song could mimic We Found Love or David Guetta's Titanium, particularly in its vocals, build-up, and drops, it could find the same audience. Since then, many have forecast the death of EDM. Yet its influence on different genres of music, particularly pop, has continued for years. Bieber's 2016 album, Purpose, along with popular collaborations between pop and EDM artists, think Selena Gomez and Ariana Grande's songs with Zedd or DJ Snakes and Lil Jon's Turn Down for What, are a testament to that. The popularity of dubstep, along with Skrillex's mainstream success and that wub-wub sound you hear in so many pop songs is evidence of it too. And earlier this year, Lady Gaga released The Cure, which features a chirping chimera-like synth that mimics the music of the Chainsmokers, whom she was trolling on Twitter just last year. As a result, American listeners and even artists seem to be burned out on the sound and are craving something new, something that doesn't sound like anything we've been hearing lately. The Despacito remix, which features a verse sung in English by Justin Bieber at the start of the song, followed by Fonzie's swooning vocals and Daddy Yankee's grit, helps to satisfy those sonic cravings. In particular, it focuses on intimate vocals and shifts away from high-energy, choppy vocal synths and swirling drops. Between the smoothness of its backing instrumentals, its mid-tempo groove, and its repetitive and very familiar chord progression, it's as if they've removed anything that could distract us from the interaction of the voice, the melody and the language, says Alex Reed, an associate professor of music theory, history, and composition at Ithaca College. The fact that it's three men alternating verses makes it a showcase for subtle differences in vocal timbre. This upfront approach to vocals is something pop artists have begun experimenting with of late. Chris Harding, a songwriter and co-creator of the Switched on Pop podcast, explained to me that songs with much more restrained, close-up, nice vocals that feel intimate and feel more minimalist like Bieber's verse on Despacito, as well as Selena Gomez's Bad Liar and Julia Michaels' Issues, have been growing in popularity. But this isn't to say that the only reason Despacito hit number one in America is that it sounds different and enjoyed some fortuitous timing. There are a lot of great songs out there that are popular but sound similar to other hits, and there are a lot of great songs out there that are sonically different but will never find a huge audience. Despacito is a scorcher of a tune. The experts I talk to all agree. And standing out from recent pop music is only the start of what it has going for it. The key to Despacito is how it's constantly moving. In addition to Bieber's buttery vocals and the contrast between its reggaeton-inspired style and the EDM-inspired pop dance music of the past few years, its most pronounced feature is a thumping downbeat, a.k.a. what The Atlantic has called the boom chaboom chick beat, the opening and chorus of Despacito sink their teeth into you via a perpetual rise and drop. If you want to geek out over the melody, it does a similar thing as the chorus. It keeps climbing in thirds, Reed says. An important part of the rhythm is its syncopation on offbeats, which make it feel kind of open, giving the listener and dancer a lot of space to move around. It ends up feeling free, evocative, and sensual. To really hear the difference, listen to the melody in the opening verse of the Despacito remix and compare that to the chorus of Taylor Swift's Welcome to New York. The chorus of Welcome to New York feels like it wants to keep you at one moment or one level, while Despacito wants to keep climbing. One thing that stands out about Despacito is that Despacito opens on melodic movement, Harding says. What Despacito is doing is, instead of having a rise to this epic big moment, it's constantly moving. It's forcing us to feel different emotions. Harding explains that Bieber's vocals sort of sound like the beginning to a pop song. But then the rise and drop of Despacito become really noticeable, When Fonzie's voice comes swooping in, shifting the song from pop to love ballad. Then there's another aural surprise when the downbeat kicks in and the song assumes its reggaeton pop form. But the cool thing about where